It is so great to see you, so great to be with you this morning. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I want to say welcome. We consider it an honor and a privilege that you would spend your Sunday morning with us, and we don't take it lightly at all. If you are a first-time guest, we want to say thank you for being a part of our worship experience today. And uh, I want you to know that we're not the only ones that are excited you're here. Church, can you help me welcome every person here for the first time? Awesome, awesome. And hey, um, we are excited for those of you who are tuned in online with us as well, because we believe that God is going to do some incredible things today. We are kicking off a brand new series, but before I do that, uh, we are heading into the Christmas season. We're working on our new facility. Uh, we are officially 21 days away from opening weekend. Come on. And so we're excited, but I'll tell you, there is a lot of stuff to be done. And so as we're working in this new facility, uh, this week looks a little bit different. There won't be a Saturday workday this week because uh, we have the, the parade going on. You'll hear more about that later. Uh, but just be on the lookout. We're going to be sending an email out to you later on this evening. That kind of goes over what work days look like. Um, but work days are not the only way you can serve. We are getting ready for uh, our Christmas experiences where we expect to see more guests because people come to church a couple times a year. Christmas and Easter, those are when people are more likely to say yes to an invite. And so one of the things that we'd love for you to do is sit one, serve one, because we have three experiences on Easter or Easter, Christmas. <laughs> We'll have three, maybe five experiences for Easter next year. We'll keep you posted on that. But one of the ways that you can get involved is by indicating on the back of your Connect card where you can serve. And I'd love for everybody to sit one, serve one for our Christmas experiences so that we can accommodate as many guests as God sends us. So you can fill out the back of that Connect card uh, at any point. We are kicking off a brand new series today called Giving Up on Christmas. And the whole concept of this series is that, yeah, you know, the holidays are great for some people. But what do you do when you look like that guy, right? Like, what do you do when the holidays aren't really a great time for you? Because for some people, the holidays can be difficult. The holidays can be tough. And as you navigate the holidays, I believe there are some things that you and I have to give up on that kind of come with the Christmas season so that we can experience all that God has for us. It was December of 2010. It was uh, December 6th of 2010. It was the day before my birthday, and I went to the doctor because I had had some blood work done and had some test results that came back, and they were funky, right? Something was up. So the doctor, uh, I go to the doctor, and they take me into the room, and we're sitting there talking, and he says, hey, do you want the good news or the bad news? And which is never a good way to start the conversation. And so we're sitting down, and basically he doesn't really have good news. The news was that I had this thing called Graves' disease. And basically it was causing my heart to race at a rapid rate, and my, my thyroid was too large, and they couldn't do surgery. And I left that day with only the expectation of a couple months to live and, and really felt hopeless. And going into the holiday seasons, it wasn't one of those things that I was super pumped about. I felt down, I felt depressed, and felt like there was nothing that I could do. And for some of you, you're in that same spot. We're getting ready to go into the Christmas season, and Christmas is a reminder of the loved ones that you've lost, or that job that you once had, or the fact that your finances are just messy. Christmas is a reminder of the people who you still have strife with or a reminder that you 
experience loneliness at times. I don't know what your Christmas looks like, but what I do know is that one of the things that I want to give up on this Christmas is hopelessness. I want to get rid of the hopelessness that I think you feel and I feel. We know that hopelessness is more evident in the Christmas season because suicide rates tend to increase at this time. When you and I feel hopeless, there's things that we feel like we can't control anymore or things that we can't do. And when we feel like that's the only outcome for our life, we make poor decisions. And so I'm not just going to try and get hope. I'm going to start by giving up on hopelessness. I want to read you a verse from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says this, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. That's my prayer for you this morning. It doesn't say that those who work really hard find new strength. It doesn't say those who trust in the Lord fix the strength they currently have. But that's what we do a lot of times, is we try and just kind of patchwork our strength or muster up enough courage to endure the holidays. I don't think God wants you to do that. I think those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. That God has the supernatural ability to take you from one place to another if you'll simply trust in him in the holidays. And as you trust in the Lord and you find new strength, this is what it says, they will soar high on wings like eagles. Come on, picture yourself soaring through the holidays, wind in your hair, luscious locks. You're so beautiful. It's incredible. Some of y'all don't have hair, so sorry I brought that up. You soar on the wings like eagles. In, in other words, we know that flying is kind of difficult. There's some things that you thought were going to be difficult in the holidays. But when you trust in the Lord and you get new strength, it's a breeze. They'll walk and they won't get tired. Come on, somebody. That's a good word. Because there's things that you thought would take a lot of work or effort or would be exhausting, but because you first trusted in the Lord and you found new strength, you don't get tired. You don't give up. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. So here's what I want to do in this series. This series is going to be filled with what's called declarations. And declarations are things that you can declare over your life that will help you overcome some things in the holiday season. So if we're going to give up, on hopelessness, the first thing we need to do is this declaration that says this, I will lift my eyes above my situation. I will lift my eyes above my situation. Now, when I was stuck in hopelessness back in 2010, one of the biggest issues in my life at that time was that I didn't know Jesus. And because I didn't know Jesus, I didn't know that I had the ability to rise above the circumstances that I had. But even in the middle of that Christmas season, man, I was stuck. I consistently was looking at what doctor's reports had said. I was looking at what, uh, you, you ever WebMD'd stuff before? <laughs> it's a horrible idea. You'll end up with every disease known to man. But I was so focused on my situation that I couldn't see that there was any life past what I was currently experiencing. And one of the greatest things you can do in this holiday season is lift your eyes above your situation and allow God to supernaturally shift your perspective. Because the closer you are to your problem, the bigger your problem is. But the closer you are to God, the bigger God becomes. 
And what you and I need in our lives in this holiday season as we're giving up on hopelessness is not the ability to just get over what we're going through. You need the ability to see that God is bigger than what you can currently see in the natural. So I was flying on an airplane uh, back in February, and I took this picture. This first picture is of an airplane. and what, So we were flying, and that airplane looks really small. i got to be honest, when I looked out the window and saw another airplane, I was a little sketched out. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure this is not how it's supposed to go. But I noticed that because of the distance I was away from the airplane, that airplane looked pretty small. If you can't see it, I circled it for you. It's just this little that little dot over there. Now, when we landed, we got to see what that airplane would look like, and it was significantly larger. And I believe what God wants to do is to elevate our vision to be able to see the way he sees. When God looks at our problems compared to the vastness of everything else, God sees your issue like you would see that plane. It's small in comparison. Because God's vision is so much greater and bigger than what we're currently experiencing. Psalm 121, verse 1 through 2 says this. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you and I in the holidays look to man-made solutions to fix everything, we will only get man-made results. And what we need is for God to be bigger than our situation. Lifting our eyes above our situation is not negating what's going on around us. It's simply saying, God, I trust you and I know that you are bigger. And that when your word says anything is possible with you, I'm going to believe that anything is possible. So as you're going through financial tensions, I believe there's a lot of people that end up losing their job during the holidays. You need to know that your finances may not look like everything is going to work out, but God is bigger than your situation. Your circumstances may say that you're going to go into your family get-together and your family gatherings, and there's going to be a ton of tension or strife, but you need to know that God is bigger than any strife that the enemy desires to create in your life. I don't look to the mountains. I'm not looking to things. I'm looking to the creator of the world for my answers. Because that's where my help comes from. To give up on hopelessness is to lift our eyes above what we're currently facing. Because let me just tell you, when you are only looking at something this close, your vision's impaired. I wear glasses not because I think they make me look good. It's because I can't see without them. I'm blind, yo. But the moment I put on glasses, I have new vision. Right, I want to break out into the, uh, the Aladdin song. A whole new world. Right, you know, like, I can see. It's incredible. Some of y'all didn't know I had that in me. It's okay, I'll sign autographs later. What we need when we're looking at vision is we don't need to fix our own. We need to align ourselves with God's vision. And when we align ourselves with God's vision, God's vision declares, and that through Christ, everything is defeated. 
through Christ, nothing is impossible. That in him, you can find new strength and you can overcome anything that you face in the holidays. First one is, I will lift my eyes above my situation. Point number two for this morning is this, I will choose to see the best in people. <sighs> the holidays. All of us have family, right? Because that, that doesn't doesn't work if you didn't. We all have family, and during the holidays, we all have family get-togethers. And I know your family is perfect and things like that. But in the holiday season, what's really easy for you and I to do is to think the worst about people. And one of the things that I've come to realize is when I expect the worst of other people, they tend to meet my expectations. I wonder if you started shifting your expectations of people, if they might shift the way they do their life. Because when you consistently believe people to do less than God's best for their life, they will. It's people. But in the holiday season, in order to give up on hopelessness, I have to quit feeding the negative thoughts that I have about people and start believing God's best about people. So when I go into my family gatherings in the holiday season, I can choose to buy into family tension and strife and frustration and anger. I, I can do that. Or, or I can believe that the enemy is crafty and he's not going to get in the middle of my family this season. I can go to the mall and when that person cuts me off or steals my parking spot, I can make statements or get mad or frustrated about their upbringing or thinking that, you know, if their parents spanked them a little more, they wouldn't do that kind of stuff. Like, I could, I could get caught up in that. Or I could go find another parking spot and continue to believe the best about people. I can walk out of the mall and look at the homeless guy and not have to judge how he got there or how he ended up in the situation or think that he might possibly take my money and go buy alcohol or cigarettes. No, I can believe that it, with, with the right meal in his belly and the opportunity for a job, he can transition from being on the streets to being back into the real world. That, this is you and I in this holiday season get to choose to see the best in people because every person you see is a person that Jesus died for. Every person you see is a person Jesus died for. There's no exceptions. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16. It's everybody. Choosing to see the best in people means that I allow God to fill my heart with compassion for others. In this holiday season, I'm not going to be cold and distant because I've been hurt in the past. No, I'm going to be vulnerable, transparent, and present because I believe that I am, what Scripture says, is the light of the world, a city on a hill that can't be hidden. I'm going to refuse to believe the worst about people. You know what I'm also going to do when I choose to see the best in people? I'm going to refuse to gossip during the holidays. Because can I tell you, it's really easy to sit around the Thanksgiving table, the Christmas table, and be around family for the holidays and talk about that one relative that wasn't able to make it. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? And they did this and they did that. Let me just, I'm going to clearly define gossip for you. If I talk about you without you, it's gossip. 
And you might say, oh, well, but I'd say it to their face. It doesn't matter. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's profitable and beneficial for building up each other. So if it's not profitable and it's not building up, then it's tearing down and it's not from God. Gossip is what kills so many relationships that you have. And every time you gossip, you play, you, you're a pawn on the enemy's chessboard. I'm just telling you. Choosing to see the best in people means I refuse to talk about them, but I believe the best of them. This is what Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says. Do nothing. So if you go back and translate the original language, nothing means nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. What you and I need to do in this Christmas season, as we give up hopelessness and we're choosing to see the best in people, is make sure that we're not doing things out of selfish ambition, but we're really esteeming others above us. And you may have been hurt in the past, and you may buy into the mentality of, of, you know, well, if I don't take care of me, and if I don't have me covered, then nobody else is, nobody else is going to do it. You're blocking the flow of godly relationships from your life. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy, but hold each other up above all else. So I'm going to lift my eyes above my situation. I'm going to choose to see the best in people, which means that I'm going to put the needs of others over my personal inconveniences. Come on, how many of y'all love to be inconvenienced during the holidays? None of you. Y'all are truthful this morning. None of us like to be inconvenienced. But do you know when you do relationships, when you do life with people, because you're in relationship with them, you are going to be consistently inconvenienced by other people. It's part of it. Parents, I ain't got to tell you that. You got kids. You know you're inconvenienced <laughs> by their schedules. It means that I'm going to choose to see the potential in other people rather than their current problems. Do you know what Jesus would do when people who were broken and hurting would come to him? They would, they, they would come to him for healing, and he would ask, hey, what do, you, what do you want? What he's doing there is he's giving them the opportunity to not go, oh, you know what, blind guy, I know what you need. Let's do it. Let's focus on your problem. What do you want? And as he would do that, he would have the opportunity of speaking to the life of people. You and I get to see people not for their problems but for their potential because every single person that you come across this holiday season was not only a person who Jesus died for, but we believe that broken people can be healed. We believe that that people who currently don't have influence can be influential and people who aren't doing anything with their life can make an impact through Christ. So we're going to choose to see the best in people. And the third thing is this. I will share the hope of Jesus when presented with an opportunity. I will share the hope of Jesus when presented with the opportunity. So we're talking about hopelessness. The answer to this thing is Jesus. Like, like, I could give you, this, is, this seems like the Sunday school answer, right? Like, if you grew up in church, you know, it, there's a, if you answer with Jesus, 
75 to 80% shot, you're getting the gold star for the day. But the truth is, Jesus really is the answer. And back in 2010, obviously, you know, I was only given a couple months to live, had that weird diagnosis, I made it, <laughs> you know, right? It all ended up working out. Had a surgery and got covered and God was awesome. But, but you know, I didn't get hope until I met Jesus in August 1st of 2011. And it was when I met Jesus that hope began to come into my life. And you and I, as we go into the holidays, are going to encounter a lot of people who are hopeless. And people who lack hope normally lack Jesus. Now, there are times where you and I feel hopeless as followers of Jesus. I don't want to say that if you ever feel hopeless, then you don't know God. Because I don't think that's true. You could read the Psalms, you could read all the stuff that David wrote and figure out that you can know God and be after God's own heart and still have some issues every now and then. But you and I are going to encounter people who don't know Jesus and who don't have hope. And if they don't know God, they're going to consistently be looking for man-made solutions, like what that verse in Proverbs, Psalms 121 said. They're going to look to the mountains to find help. And they may find a temporary solution, but what they really need is they need Jesus. And in this holiday season, it's really easy for you and I to feel like one of two ways. One, we have to be distant from people because we want to just make sure we're covered and we're good. And I love self-care. I really do. I believe it's valuable. I believe it's important. You need a healthy rhythm, rhythm of rest. You need to make sure you take care of yourself. I believe all that, but, but at some point, self-care becomes selfish care, and you got to be careful. Don't be distant from people during the holidays. People need you. Suicide rates are going up. Depression's going up. Loneliness, anxiety is going up, and you are the light of the world. Don't be distant from people. But the other type of person is the person that shows up to every gathering and feels like if not everybody gets saved at the table, then they didn't do a good job. And you don't need to force Jesus down people's throat either. I will share the hope of Jesus when presented an opportunity. I don't think you have to force it. I gave God an open invitation long ago. Here's what it looks like. God, if you'll tee it up, I'll hit it. If you it, just tee it up, it happened years ago when I was coming, um, was picking up some friends from a party in Mount Pleasant. They were drunk that night and they had called me. They needed a ride, and I showed up at this party to get them. And as I was walking through the doors, I ran into a guy who was offering me something to drink, and he was offering me some drugs. I'm like, man, I'm good. I appreciate it though, and I'm just here to get some people. And then I'm rolling out, and uh, and he looked at me. And he said, well, why don't you need that? I said, well, Lord, if you'll tee it up, I'll hit it. <laughs> so I told him my story. I told him that God had rescued me from a drug addiction and that he had saved me and, and, and she had shared all that with him. At the end of it, he looked at me and he said, well, man, is that, is that for me too? I said, well, Lord, if you'll tee it up, I'll hit it. You know? right. He gave his life to Jesus that night. And I've watched God do that over and over and over 
in my life, not because I kicked in every door feeling like I had to rescue people. I'm not the rescuer. Jesus is. But what we have the opportunity to do is just allow God to use our story, allow God to use our life. And when God does those things, it's incredible what you'll see God do during the holidays. When you choose to just be open and give God that invitation to, to, hey, hey God, if you give me the opportunity, I'll share Jesus with people. You don't have to make it complicated. Some people make it way too complicated. And you need to use the scripture to reinforce it. But I'll tell you this, if you have to pull your Bible out to tell somebody about what God did, you need, you need, you need to work on it. You need to work on your own story and what God did in your life. You can't get God without Scripture, but you got to be able to tell people that, man, I was hopeless, but God found me. I was lost, but now I was found. And if you want to understand a little bit more on how to do that, we just came out of a lost and found series that I believe can really help you with that. I will share the hope of Jesus when presented the opportunity. This last verse that I have for you is this. It's 1 Peter 3.15. It says, instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. It doesn't say, hey, you, you, you have to follow Christ. Christ needs to be the Lord of your life. And when you go to Christmas dinner, be ready to lead everyone to Christ. It says, if someone asks about your hope, just be ready to share. Don't feel pressure to answer questions people aren't asking. Wait for the moment that people begin to ask questions. And as they ask questions, you be ready to explain it. In Matthew, it says that you and I are the salt of the earth. Now, you and I know that if something becomes... Salt is, is, is really for flavoring, but if something has too much salt it creates a thirst within you. Something's too salty, you become thirsty. Now, salty and thirsty means something totally different in 2019. But for the purpose of this story, some of y'all need to get really salty this Christmas and not in a negative way. You and I need to live our lives in such a way that it creates a thirst and a hunger for God in the lives of other people. What if you lived your life in a way during this Christmas season that people who were hopeless looked at you and said, they've got something that I don't have. What if you lived your life in such a way that when your friends and family knew that you were in the middle of a financial crisis, but you were still trusting God with your finances and you were still believing that he could do it. What if that through your life, people saw Jesus? That's the goal. The goal is not that, that, that I live my life in such a way where everybody looks at me and everybody's like, oh man, you're amazing. No. Man, I want people to see my life and go, yo, there ain't no way that works without something else. And it ain't drugs. And it ain't alcohol. It's God. And I don't know what you need to do. I don't know what changes need to be made in your life, but here's what I know. If you'll give God the invitation, he'll tee it up. Because what God does is God loves lost people. 
God loves people who are passionate from him. First Peter also says that his desire is that none would perish. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. And sometimes we think, well, if people sin, then God sends them to hell. It's not. Sin is a place, hell is a place where people go to pay for their sins themselves. You and I have already had the debt paid. Jesus died for us. And now we get to help people see that. We get to help people uncover that. And when they do, it's life changing. Question is, are you ready in this holiday season to share the hope that you have in Christ? And to do that, it's really simple. The first thing you and I need to understand is God's plan. God's plan for our life, according to Genesis, was to live in perfection with him, to walk with him, to talk with him, for things to be perfect. No sickness, no pain, no suffering. Everything was perfect, but then there's a problem, which is that sin enters into the world. In Genesis chapter 3, everything changes. Because man is now separated from God because of sin. And you may say, why? Because God is pure and God is holy and can't coexist with sin. So there's separation. And so what they would do is they would make sacrifices that were temporary in the Old Testament so that they could experience a little bit of what God created them in. But it was only temporary. But God looked down at you and he looked at me and he knew that he had to create a solution. And God's solution was to send Jesus to die in our place. To send Jesus to come and live a sinless life so that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God desired to save us. The only thing that's required of us is the fourth thing, is our response. Our response has to be We trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior to believe that his death on the cross was the payment of our sin and that he was raised to new life. And the scripture says if you believe that, if that's your response to hearing the message of God, you are saved. It's not by works. It's not by efforts. It's not by deeds. You say, that sounds too good to be true. Exactly. If the good news of Jesus ever stops being too good to be true, it's not the good news of Jesus. That's it. That's all you have to be ready for. Is you have to be ready to talk about God's plan, our problem, God's solution, our response. And if you can do that, you are ready to explain the hope that you have in this holiday season. So here's what I want to do. I want to do two prayers this morning before I wrap up my time. So with every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment... I believe there are some of you who came in and you are feeling a little bit hopeless. But before we deal with the hopelessness, we need to make sure that you know Jesus. Because if you try and find hope apart from God, you'll end up hopeless. It won't work. So with every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment, If you're in here and you say, hey, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus today, would you just lift your hand and say, hey, that's me. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. We're all going to pray together. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. 
I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now there's also some of you, keep your head bowed and eyes closed for a second. And you came in this morning with a little bit of anxiety going into the holidays. You came in feeling a little bit of hopelessness in this holiday season. And today, you have the opportunity to lay it down, to give up on hopelessness and experience all that God has for you in these next 30 days. If you'd say, hey, that's me. I, I want to give up on hopelessness this morning. Would you just lift your hand for a moment? Say, that's me. I see those. Here's what we're going to do. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for every single person in this room. Lord, we believe that in you, hopelessness ceases. So we pray, Lord, that you would make us uh, stable, plant us on a firm foundation so that our hope can be in you. We love you, Lord, and we trust you. And we know that when we trust you, we find new strength, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.